This is Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Good, to- good morning to everybody who's watching. This is this is our Dialogue Sunday School Sunday Gospel Study. February 28th, 2021. Folks is with us. You've been hearing Kathy Stokes, and we will come back to her after a few minutes of introduction. Uh, this is our third Sunday, our third gospel study for the year. Um, as a reminder, we meet on second and fourth Sundays, and we record the session. We'll post them. Uh, I am Chris Kimball. I'm conducting on behalf of the Dialogue Foundation. Other board members, you see Michael Austin not on the screen. Um, Rebecca Deschweinitz on the screen, and Linda Hoffman-Kimball also on the screen are with us today. We're running a live stream on Facebook as well as Zoom session. As usual, there'll be a chat and we can have conversation as we continue. It sounds like we will have a good opportunity for that. Um, today, we have Catherine Stokes, Kathy Stokes with Kathy Stokes is a pioneering African-American member of the Church of Jesus of Latter-day Saints. She's a director of the Illinois Department of Public Health and a community volunteer. She lived in, Mar- in, she lived in Chicago much of her life and became the first member of her family to graduate from college. She attended the Michael Reese Hospital School of Nursing and obtained a bachelor's degree in nursing from DePaul University. While in Hawaii for a business conference, Kathy visited the the Laia Hawaii Temple and filled out a visitor card. Missionaries visited her in Chicago and she began attending the local congregation. Kathy was baptized on April 28, 1979 at the church's Hyde Park Chicago Meeting House. She continues to be an advocate for minorities in the LDS church and is considered a pioneer for African-Americans. Kathy has one daughter and lives in Salt Lake City, Utah, but equally, or more important, Kathy has hmm, Kathy's been a friend for 40 years. Ever since she held our infant daughter, hmm, that's a good memory. Ever since she held our infant daughter in sacrament meeting, the first time we attended that same Hyde Park ward in the Chicago meeting house. We're excited to have Kathy with us. Um, and I'll give my regular qualifier that we Kathy does not speak for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She doesn't speak for the Dialogue Foundation. We invite speakers and teachers for their own voice. And this is very much Kathy Stokes. Um, She's in the room. We're going to open today with music, the gospel hymn, Plenty Good Room, which Kathy asked for. Uh, suggesting and explaining that this speaks to where she is in her faith and in her journey at this point in her life. Opening prayer will be given by Jake Rue. I want to say a word about Jake or give you his words. Jake is an associate professor of sociology at Brigham Young University. He has outstanding academic credentials and fascinating research interests. I'm fascinated by them. But Jake introduces himself this way today. He says, Kathy was my first church leader in nursery and had an enduring positive influence on me from teaching me jingle bells to lift every voice, lift every voice and sing. She and my late father, uh, Tom Rue, worked closely and along with others to make our ward on on Chicago's South Side 
one of the most racially integrated congregations of any faith in the city. Today, I tried to carry on that legacy by working as an expert on civil rights, housing discrimination cases, teaching courses on race and racism at BYU, and striving to raise anti-racist children, as Kathy helped raise me. Um, Kathy's raised a bunch of us. Anyway, um, thank you, Jake, for being here. Let's have the music and... Our dear Heavenly Father, we are so grateful to be gathered together for this Sunday meeting to be uplifted and edified by thy word. We are so grateful for the restoration of the gospel, and we are so grateful for black pioneers in this church, from Elijah and Jane to Darius and Kathy, and so many hundreds of thousands of more. We ask a blessing upon Kathy as she gives this lesson, that she'll be strengthened by thy spirit, that she'll be able to continue to recover from the side effects of the vaccine. We are grateful that she has been preserved to be with us in these latter days. We are grateful for her honesty, for her faith, hope, and charity. And we pray that thy spirit will accompany her in this lesson. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. 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 Wow. Kathy? Yes. It's your turn. Um, people have commented, just so you know, to say, we understand about the vaccine. We're all in it with you and uh, understand that that has an effect. And also, um, why don't you just tell us stories? That's... <laughs> why don't I just, what? Tell us stories. Tell a story. Your life your experience okay whatever you're up for right <laughs> whatever you're up for i'm just i'm just i'm just passing on comments here we love you we're happy you're with us um and you are now on stage there you go okay thank you um i have to tell you you're sharing a very special moment with me and that is this is the most i've ever been pre least prepared for speaking um, about anything today. And yet, I first want to give thanks and glory to God for all of us here, for the church, for dialogue, and for those who work to make dialogue happen and to make a difference. Um, I often think how blessed I was to find the church and the Lord in his perfect wisdom brought me to the High Park Ward, where the people there were open and loving and have wonderful children. I have long believed that you can find out everything you want to know about a person or family by listening to their children and being with their children. 
And that is certainly true of all my Hyde Park children of which there are some here today, uh, like little J.K. Rue and uh, now Professor Little J.K. Rue. Okay. Um, Jacob and his brother and uh, the other children of Hyde Park really um, incorporated me into the congregation. You join the church because of something you, you think in your head uh, and you feel in your heart. But then what you meet there is what solidifies <clears throat> the event or not. And one thing that impressed me so was how freely they let their children talk to you and play with you. Um, my very first Sundays, a little girl just came over and sat on my lap. Her father, who was sitting in the row ahead, was very embarrassed. You could see the red come up his neck and all around his bald spot. It was not Jacob. It, he was one of the little children at that time. Um, and you knew that there, were, there had not been any caution about them talking to you or climbing in your lap or playing in your hair. And in my mind, I thought these people are different. And indeed they are. And um, I'm blessed that I was in the Hyde Park Ward. Uh, if I am to be in the church, I think it would have happened in any ward, but I don't think it would have been as easy and pleasant for me as it was. Uh, <clears throat> the average age of my best friends was probably four. And I learned a lot from them how they acted because it reflected how they had or had not been taught. And I am grateful for my experience with the children in Hyde Park. My first calling was uh, nursery leader. And I know that's where they put new people so that none of the adults will say the wrong thing and mess up. But it was the perfect place for me because if whatever you wanna know about people, listen to their children because they will tell it all, either in deed or in word. And that was, uh, that was a wonderful experience. Um, that people say, how do you know the church is true? And my response often was, well, how do you know it's true? Well, their families have been in the church from forever. And I understand that. The church is as true as I am true and each of us is true. And so it was the true church in Hyde Park. The, they were not um, all of the same mind in terms of where they were with the church and it didn't matter because 
the environment was a loving one that everybody could live in and function in. I am, I know that's why I was landed in the High Park Ward as my first experience in the church. If I had been, if I had moved immediately someplace else, that might not have happened that way. I think though, I would have stayed wherever I had landed. And that comes not from so much what the church says, but rather what the church does. And the church is each of us. And um, therefore I can without reservation recommend the church to anyone I meet, any friend, whatever. Um, not that there is any level of perfection among us, but rather there is love among us and an openness to accept whomever God presents to us. And I am very, very grateful to be a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Now, I have before me a picture of all of you and in the center, a picture of a handsome man. Oh, it's Chris, yes. Um, I don't, I, I, oh, my picture is up there. I like, Chris is good. I like looking at Chris, that's fine, and all of you. So what am I to say to you today? Uh, why did I join the church? Because it felt right. That's the easiest answer. It felt right. And I have been a member now 40 some years. Yeah. So 41 or 42? I don't remember. Uh, 78 was the revelation, right? I, I joined the next year in 79. So um, it was the most important decision I had made at that point in my life. And Coming up on 42. Say what? What did you say? I say coming up on 42. I said in April, it will be 42 years. 42, thank you, yes. Wow, okay. Um, all in all, it's been a great 42 years. There've been some bumps in the road. Uh, when you learn some truths that you didn't expect to learn, you know, for a while you have to sit and ponder that and realize it's part of a whole and you move on. Um, I'm grateful for the, the women of the church and the groups that they would bring together to have an overnight or whatever. It was a conversation that happened in those groups that revealed what the, who these women really are and how bright they were. Uh, while we don't hold the priesthood, I would, would hope that those, the voices that I heard in my early years in the church at retreats and uh, 
various events with women uh, would be listened to by everyone in the church. Uh, they certainly strengthened and sustained me. Now, let me hasten to add, I have a great respect for priesthood. Um, I have no desire to hold the priesthood. I have enough to do. Um, I hope to always be at peace with not having the priesthood. But I think a lot of, of us consider that if we had the priesthood, we would have more power. I believe that each of us right now have more power than we will ever righteously use. And I, I don't feel the need for that power. I, for those who want it, I hope that there will be an accommodation for them. If women get the priesthood, I hope it will be, you have to accept it. Because I, 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 don't, I got enough to do, thank you. And the priesthood um, does not, lack of priesthood rather, doesn't keep me from doing anything I need to do or calling upon whatever I need from my father and rests with assurance that he will tend to me. I think the, I think the guys need the priesthood. Uh, I, you know, that's just kind of how they are made, I think. And I know there's lots of disagreement on that, but uh, that's where I am with that. Uh, what's most important to me are the relationships that I have established with the church and the church is each one of us and that I continue to establish as I meet more of the church. The, what can I say? I'm trying to think of, of, of something succinct to say, you know, I, I, I never said I believe the church is true because I don't know what true means in that instance. I believe the church is where I'm supposed to be. And I believe that it can help me live the life I want to live and help me learn more about the God we serve and do more for our brothers and sisters that we need to serve. I, um, I, I sometimes am a little, well, more than a little irrever irreverent. Uh, <clears throat> but I don't think we, well, I think, I think, well, I still got a Trump temple recommend, you know, uh, what can I tell you? But I, I recognize that many members of the church I hold the leaders of the church in high esteem, but they're still men. Uh, some of them righteous and holy men. They're given a job and my job is to help them do that. Do I think that women should have the priesthood? 
if the Lord wants us to, we will have it. Um, but I do not think we will be prevented from doing anything we need to do by not having it. I believe there is, um, you know, I wouldn't want it to be taken as an excuse for not sharing power, but I think we can do anything the Lord will sustain us in doing without the priesthood. The truth stands on its own and women are often looked to or left to, to tell the truth. And they're usually brave enough to do it. So, uh, more than anything else, I am grateful for the good that the church does throughout the world. Uh, I, when I was working for the Department of Public Health, um, I met the guy who was in charge of the Red Cross for that reason region, which included more than Illinois. And he came, oh, I think we were doing some disaster. And so he came over at, with a smile. He said, oh, I'm anxious to meet you. And I'm, you know, I'm looking, thinking, okay, what's he selling? And <clears throat> he said, I hear you're a Mormon. And I took a little breath and I said, yes, I am. He said, Whenever something happens, no, first he said, can I give you a hug? And I kind of hesitantly said, well, yeah, okay. He said, whenever something happens, the Mormons are the first ones there. They stay till it's over. And he was, he was hugging me for hugging all of the Mormons. Okay. And that was fine. Uh, so it was, it was, you know, it was a wonderful feeling that someone thought so much of us. Because I think the things we do, we are really the go-to on rescue. We know how to do that. We may not be as good in welcoming different groups, I don't know, whatever. But we do the rescue thing. Go to us on rescue. and. Um, I'm proud of the things that we as a church participate in that, that, that improves people's lives, that gets down to the nitty gritty of a person's everyday life. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful when they send carloads or busloads or whatever load, truckloads of food and goods to people in need. Um, and so we don't do everything perfectly or even to my requirements, but what we do, I think is, is pleasing to our father in heaven. And so I'm grateful to be a part of that. Now, uh, the church has a, a way to go on women. The church has a, a, a farther way to go on single, you know, the, and the, did someone want to say something? Oh, okay. Feel free to interrupt me. The, I think a well, lot. We, 
Huh? We've got questions, but we're but but keep going. Oh. I you'll you'll okay. Yes. Let me know when to stop. <laughs> okay, I uh, single in the church <clears throat> is the only thing worse mm -hmm. than being single in the church is being single in black and female. The and, and that we have to, we have to set that thing right in our efforts of, of what we need to do. Um, it's, it's sort of like, well, you all know the issues as well as I do. We don't need to go through those. But at some point, we need to do what we do best is to plan how to bring some of these things to the right position. You know, th this church plans stuff. There is nothing lackadaisical or accidental about them. They are bright, they, they're smart, they've got money. It doesn't embarrass me, they got a billion dollars, you know? That's just a little walking around money when Jesus comes, right? Okay. But <clears throat> there are things we need to do. We know how to do it. We have the ability to do it. What has not emerged is the commitment on whatever level to get it done. And I pray for that. Um, the, um, okay, I could stop now. Well, let me introduce a couple of questions then. Okay. Um, first of all, first of all, I'll just mention once in a while you look down and we lose the bottom half of your face. Um, we'd I'm love sorry. to. You're right. We'd love to have you looking at us. That's okay. that. That's great. Um, you talked about Hyde Park a lot, and of course, that's a shared experience and wonderful. Um, how did how did moving to Salt Lake City and a uh, a let's a different uh, LDS church uh, environment culture? How did that work for you? Well, it worked fine because uh, when I came to the ward here, and um, they uh, Bishop asked me, um, it was the eldest son of uh, Senator Hatch. Brent, Brent Hatch asked me uh, why I came to Salt Lake and I told him that I'd retired and wanted to. Uh, and then we decided that since I had been chorister before, like my whole time in the church, he called me to be the chorister. And you talk about putting a rabbit in the briar patch. It was great. And the 11th Ward, Sing the 11th Ward sings, okay? Everybody sings or we stop, okay? But it's, uh, the music is good. That the, If there's something I would like to fix in the church, it would be the music. And not the music like the choir sings or anything, but rather the congregational singing. Because I believe that the congregational singing is like a... Um, ordinance of bringing our voices 
together in different tones. And I believe it is so important and, I, and that it strengthens the soul. So I would like to see more music and music uh, taken with a greater appreciation for what music can do. Okay. Tell me one, who was not moved by uh, the brothers singing through it all? Whose mind did not go back to some through it all kind of event? Uh, music is an ordinance. It's a, it's almost, it, you know, it's something that heals us, uplifts us, does us so much good. And I think we need more congregational singing. Um, that's all. Speaking, speaking of music, we, you, um, we talked about and, and, and we have it queued up for, to close with that plenty good room. But you talked about, you talked about that song, uh, that hymn, that gospel hymn, as important or revealing of where you are in your it's faith and your journey. Would you, would, you, would, would you talk about that? I found that really intriguing. Plenty good okay. room. At, you know. The hymn through it all uh, that he sung it represents for me the path of my life with my God. When I was a little kid in the country, so I had to be under five, I knew that some things weren't right. And I knew that there was something better looking over me. I never was able to articulate it because nobody knew that was what I thought and I don't know what I would have said in that, but it's kind of like, I, I, I think I've always had this sense of being watched over and cared for. And in, in, in rural Mississippi, that is a great blessing. At rural Mississippi 84 years ago, life was Hard. Um, I'm grateful to have left the South in my early years. I, I was five or six and was exposed to education in Chicago and the different ways in Chicago. So I, I'm a little schizophrenic in that way that I've got that Southern, because the minute I hit home and I, I refer to Mississippi as home, I know what paths to walk in and easily fall into them with my own uh, accommodation to the requirements of the society there. Uh, the South is a different place today. It, has, it still has a way to go, but it is leaps and bounds from what I knew as a child. And so I'm grateful for that. Um, through it all, through the South, through the hunger, through the, we thought it was a big deal to get a peppermint stick and a store-bought 
a pickle for Christmas. That's it. No stockings, no, if there were any stockings, we would be wearing them, right? It was abject poverty. As a matter of fact, Linda, I think, put together uh, some stories about Christmas. And, uh, Thanks, and mine was Santa, who that, you know? And, you know, it would have been weird for some old white dude in a red suit coming and bringing black kids. I don't think so. Um, but anyhow, it, uh, it was a valuable, a valuable experience, though it was difficult. And I wondered, does anyone, no one needs to go through that. Um, and I'm glad it's better now. But, I have a uh, question for Kathy. With your, uh, I have a question for you, Kathy. Okay. Uh, with all of your work with public affairs for the church, I remember you telling me once about when Al Sharpton came to Salt Lake City and you got to, to introduce him to the city. So I want you to share some of that. <laughs> oh, Reverend Al. Yeah. Um, well, the reason he came to Salt Lake, there was some kind of incident where something was said of either by the church, maybe, and or by Al Sharpton. Oh, by Al Sharpton. I think it was by Sharpton. And he called to apologize. And then he called back after, I guess he learned that he really had put both feet in it. And so I got a call saying that he was coming and they wanted me to help host him. No, no, no worries. Um, he knew he was wrong in what he had said about the Mormon. Because he said something like, those of us who are real Christians, <laughs> meaning that we were not. And then some, uh, I guess a, a number of the religions jumped on him and he apologized. And then he found out more about the church and then he called and he wanted to come and and see us and so forth and so on so then i was one of the group that went around with al sharpton al sharpton is unusual in that he will acknowledge when he messed up he was wrong he admitted it and he's reaches out eagerly to try to put it right and so he came and we took him around and he came wanting to, to, to straighten out something that was amiss, but he left as a friend. And that, that was, uh, was good for him and it was good for us. And uh, he and Elder Ballard were on a first name basis. I mean, you know, it was, it was pretty good. It was good. Um, so now we have a friend in Al Sharpton and he, he defends us when folks say things and um, he's a good friend to have. Uh, he'll never join, okay? Just so, unless the, if the missionary guys are listening, he'll never join, just trust that. But anyhow, <clears throat> the, um, it, one of the things I, I really am grateful for was the ability to, to, to introduce other Blacks, particularly 
spoke with position and influence in the community to the Mormon I know, not what they've heard in all the stories. Um, and I'm grateful for that. That has been that has been a good thing for them and for me and for the church. So did I answer your question? Yes. Yeah, right. Anybody else have a question? Okay, we're done. Uh, <laughs> we're not done. We're not gonna let you go we're yet. Well, no, no, let us give, give us give us a minute here. Um, go ahead, Rebecca. So uh, there's a question on Facebook um, and a comment. Uh, Jennifer uh, Georgia England says, "Thank you for talking about the feeling as a child of being watched and cared for. I felt the same and didn't know what it was. Not really God, but more angels. Uh, do you feel the angels are with us?" Do I feel that angels are with us? Is that the question? Yes, yes. And, and maybe, um, and maybe you can re relate this to uh, to the idea you talked about the church being the go-to on rescue, and um, and maybe are we individually the go-to on rescue, and how we can develop that. You know, some Better. of us are, some of us are, because in go to and rescue, you have to know how to put the boundaries around it. Otherwise you foster a dependency that no one needs to have. You know, people will relax and let you do it. Uh, no, that's not the thing we want to do. Um, the, we are go-to and we do a lot of, we know how to do rescue. We don't know how to make small talk well with other people. We don't do that very well. But if there's a job to be done, I remember we had a, a joint event with the Calvary Baptists and they were supposed to cook the food. We bought the food and we we're supposed to serve. So there was a bunch of the young guys, young white guys. That's most of what we got, you know. And they came in and the lady looked a little askance that they were going to be know how to set up these chairs and tables. Well, they came in, zip, zip. The thing was over. They took them down, zip, zip. And she said to them, can y'all come back again? Uh because one of the guys, when she was trying to decide what to tell him, told her, hey, we, we got this. Trust me, we got this. And she, they, they, a friendship was started there, you know, not the kind of friendship you're going to see again, but a friendship for what it is we can do and we can do well. We know how to set up stuff and take it down, you know. And uh, she was very, she wanted to know when we could come back. So we made friends in doing some of the stuff that we do ordinarily. Uh, the church is a wonderful organization because it can be called together on a short notice. It can be given direction, which will be carried out. And there's the, the, the plan is in everything for if this, then that kind of thing. 
the what ifs are planned for. The church is a great planner. The, the issue is not to take it too far, as with anything. The, the, if we take a, a talent can be a deterrent if we take it too far. But uh, we, we do good work. And you say, what keeps you in the church? We do good work. You know, not just here, everywhere in the world that we can. And that is what I think God would have us do. Could we do better? Yeah, yeah, we could. Uh, you know, if they just asked me, we could sit down and have a long conversation. But uh, maybe they will. If I, if I, if you read that I died tonight, it's because they called and asked if I'd come in and tell them what to <laughs> No, you, we all know better. But go on. Well, I'd love, I'd love to hear uh, the, you know, what's the, what's the rescue plan Kathy would put in place? That I would put in place? How, I, it would be hard for me to improve on the way church, the church does thing, things. It really would be. The, we, the church is organized. It plans, you know, um, it has plans for if this, then that kind of thing, but they also think on their feet. And that's a good position to, to be in. Now, do I agree with everything they come up with? No, but then I, other, I don't agree with everything anybody comes up with, just you know, on general principle. Somebody needs to take a, a different view. But um, can we do better? Oh yeah, yes we can. We can reach out to single people. We'll talk about that a little bit more, Kathy. Um, you've mentioned you've mentioned single single, single people, people, single adults. What yeah. would you do? What, single what, adults. What would you do? What should we do more? Uh, we could do more of incorporating them in the organizations of the church in leadership. Um, acknowledgement. Uh, well, if we could, there's this, everybody is, is not, if everybody was supposed to be married, God should have made more straight people. Everybody's not going to be married. Um, and it's okay. Because that's how he put us here to do whatever it is we need to do. Um, the, you, you notice on the church committees and things, most of the folks are couples. Um, there may be a, a man there, but I, you know, rarely do I see a woman who's unattached, who's a single woman, a real single woman, like she's old, okay. <laughs> we are the real single women. But um, we, we, we need to be more open that everyone, regardless of their status, can contribute. I, uh, I love this church because a lot of people don't think you can change stuff, in, but you can. But you, all you have to do is to open the issue. And even the most rigid person 
feels, I think, feels obligated to consider what you just opened. Now, they may not be changed on the first opening, but as it doesn't leave their mind, it goes on and on. And, and we, you know, you gently, what is that phrase? Uh, persuasion, not kind persuasion. Oh, it's in the DNC about the priesthood. Gentle persuasion. You know, with gentleness, you can approach the most difficult question and get a hearing. Um, the, the, the good in that is that what you leave when you raise the question doesn't go away. Because whether we think about it or not, that question stays with us. And we will then start to see the question more places. So, you know, we, we, have to, we have to gently put out here. And you say, well, why do we have to be gentle? Because it works. That's the only reason to be gentle. It works. You can, you know, go in there with a bulldozer, but it ain't going to work. It's going to shut down right then. Be gentle. It works. Okay, anybody else got a question? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I mean, let me ask a hard one. What I think is a hard one. Um, people talk about Katrina being two disasters. If you, remember, if you remember Katrina and the, and the flooding, Right. Uh, people talk about that as two different disasters. One was, one was the flooding that we can deal with as an immediate disaster, casseroles, cleanup crews. Right. But the other is decades of systematic policies that put basically poor people in flood zones that created a disaster for them that was decades in the making. Um, what can we do to work on those systemic, those long-term policy practices that make, that make for problems? Well, uh, my suggestion would be how the church works. You identify it. You decide what this is good or this needs something. You, you figure out what that is, and then you put the plan together to implement it. I think if we're to make uh, gains in certain areas, we have to make a plan. We have to, because everything important that we do, we make a plan. And we have, have indicators at various points of whether the plan is moving forward, standing still, or going backwards. When we're serious about stuff, we make a plan. If we want certain things to be better, you will know that when we start making the plan to make it better. Um, oh, well. You know, there's some things we just tiptoe around. 
and we all know what they are. Um, we, we have to acknowledge, and, and we, I meaning, meaning us guys, and then those guys downtown, and those guys in the wars and stakes. Because where there is a will, there is a way, if we want to make it better. I am disappointed that the church doesn't do all that I know it can do, and you know it can do. Um, and you have to be careful in how you put things forward that need to be done, because if you alienate folks, you've lost. You know, gentle persuasion, yeah, kindness, uh, friendliness, uh, above all, don't beat them up, you know, because if you beat me, you go to beat me up, I'm going to fight back. And that's, that's time and energy wasted. If we would just look, analyze, how do we best approach this and then move forward with that. So that really fits with um, what you describe unity looking like, right? So we don't all have to be of the same mind, but if we are uh, creating and focused on, on a loving environment, then right. we right. can get things right. done. Right? You know, I, don't, I don't have to endorse or believe everything you do, but you know, if you all have an, a, a, an event, yeah, I'll come. You know, we're together. This is your thing. I can help you with your thing without being part of your thing. You know, it's uh, one of the funny things. I don't know why this came to my mind. Well, Mormons do a lot of cookies, right? Mm -hmm. When I first joined the church, I was so relieved that nobody in the church lived in my neighborhood <laughs> because you hear the stories about the cookies on the door. Nobody on the south side of Chicago gonna eat cookies left at their door. <laughs> it just, you know, it's just not something you do. Food is very, you know, food is a private kind of thing. Uh, you, you bring the food, you don't leave it on the, on the, the doorstep because nobody's gonna eat it. And so when I found, you know, they, well, they brought them to the house and I, I said, I just stared for a minute because that's not really something we do that way. Uh, people my age, the younger people are probably into it more, but anyhow, we got a ways to go, all of us. Any other questions? Uh Go ahead, Rebecca. I, so, um, yeah. you, you said that um, you've learned some truths that you didn't expect to learn along the, along the way. Um, I'm wondering if you could share some of those. Some of the truths that I have learned? That, yeah, that you didn't expect to. That I didn't expect to learn. Oh, one of the large truths I've learned, white people are really curious about black people. Um, you know, I, I was met with an onslaught of, of questions 
And I'm thinking, why are these folks asking me all these questions? It's because they don't know stuff about black folks. And that took me a while to be comfortable with. Um, because generally, somebody questioning you is not a good thing mm -hmm. if you're black. Okay. Um, but we have so much to learn. I think that the, the, the part I try to work on is to be open to whatever comes. Um, one of my favorite places in all the world to go is Costco. Not because it's expensive or it has good food, but the people you meet in Costco with the cute little kids. And you can tell the ones who have never been close to anybody that looks like you, cause they will stare and they're open to conversation. And if you can just gently deal with that, you can provide their parents with an opportunity to talk to somebody who doesn't look like them. I don't know what that noise was, but. That was probably my machine. Oh, okay. And I apologize for that. No worries. Um, I'm going to I'm going to wrap us in with a couple of comments and a question for you. Okay. Um, I'm going to play back to you one of the lessons you've taught us today. You talked earlier about not having the priesthood, but still being effective, making things happen, and and you have more than once referred to this scripture in Doctrine and Covenants 121 in the 40s that no power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, right. only by persuasion, by long suffering, by gentleness and meekness and love and fame. And I'm gonna say, I've seen you do that. I've seen you do that for years. And I think there's a little tension there in you saying, I don't have the priesthood, but I'm still working and then quoting and operating in the way that is described in the scripture as not by the power of the priesthood, but by mm -hmm. kindness and meekness and love unfeigned. And that's you. Um, that's the lesson you've taught me. Okay. Um, in closing, we're going to close with the music, Plenty Good Room. Would you tell us a word or two about what that him means to you? Um, it meant more to me after I joined the church. About, you know, it's a hymn of my childhood, Plenty Good Room in the Father's Kingdom, and it means plenty good room for us Black folks. Now, when I came to the church, that was, you know, I, it, there was a very small number of us. And people would inquire about, did I feel comfortable? And that song came to my mind. There's plenty good room in this church, like plenty good room in my father's kingdom. There is comfort here. There is love here. Uh, I think that um, being welcomed 
is never a question when anybody walks in the church. Um, and, you know, right after the priesthood, I guess everybody wanted to be the first one to welcome one, you know, sort of thing, because they would almost love you back out of the church kind of thing. What are these people up to? You know, what is, <laughs> but the children saved it all. The children saved it all. A little kid can walk up to anybody, black, white, or polka dot. And that person will open their hearts to that child. And that child can lead them as the scriptures tell us. And I think that happened in Hyde Park. And uh, little Jackie Rue was a main leader in, uh, in doing that kind of thing. Um, and others, your, you know, your own children, uh, Chris and Linda. I, I treasure my time in Hyde Park with my children in the nursery. And then as the young, as they grew and in the young women, I worked with them. I treasure Hyde Park. It was what, it had everything that's needed to allow a person to join the church and stay in. It had everything you needed there and uh, it worked. And I'm grateful for that. And I hope that it will be shared. Okay, I think that's bye-bye. I wanna take a, just a moment before I say the prayer to um, tell a little story about Kathy Stokes and our son Chase when he was five. Uh, Kathy, and I spent a lot of time together. And uh, I was looking with my son Chase through family albums and he saw lots of pictures with, of me with my two sisters, my two biological sisters. And he asked me, where's Kathy Stokes? And I wasn't quite sure what he meant. And, and he said, well, she's your sister too, isn't she? And I, I think that just sums it up. Yeah. That just that does. really <laughs> wonderful. So it's still true. And out of the mouths of babes who are now getting on towards middle age. <laughs> now I'll say a closing prayer. Thank you. Our great and loving God, we thank thee so much for this time together. We are grateful for Kathy and for the love and companionship and for her service and her wisdom that she shares so benevolently with all of us. We ask for thy blessing on her, that her health will be strong and that her circumstances will be comfortable and her life will be continue to be full and rich with love and support and friends and brothers and sisters. And we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our savior, amen. You've been listening to the Dialogue Gospel Sunday Study. Find more of our podcasts at dialoguejournal.com slash podcasts.